This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're going to continue with our series, Trusting God, or Trusting Father. And we saw that through that U.S. Today article that most prominent belief in America, and it's more prominent in the South, is that God is an angry, judgmental God, and He's out to get us. He's upset with us. We know from Scripture that's not true. Jesus took the judgment of God in our behalf. God's not angry. That's good news. Aren't you glad? He's in love with you. He is head over heels in love with you. He knows how many hairs are on your head or how many aren't there and loves you. Your picture is on his refrigerator in his wallet, and that's a big wallet. Your picture's in there. It says that your name is etched on his hand. Wow. Our Father loves us. And we're to represent him in the earth. And we've been looking at different aspects. But, and today I just want to touch on, you can trust Father with your future. You can trust him in, with the future because we need him. If you look at the news and things and in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, it says, Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Are we seeing lawlessness abound? I don't remember any time ever that I've seen so much hate for Israel. I got to thinking about they're being bombed. And they send out leaflets and they call and say, we're going to bomb you back. You might want to hide and, and take, protect yourself, but we are coming. Just want to let you know. So we want to be fair and considerate of you. And then I hear the UN wants to put Israel on trial for war crimes. What? Did I hear that? It's just lawlessness. And you, you hear about ISIS and all the things that they're doing. I heard the other day a report that they were burying young kids alive. We're talking about demonic. It's just evil, lawlessness. No boundaries. It means no restraints and no boundaries. Anything goes. No regard for life. And it says the love of many will wax cold. And that word love there's Agape, and it's talking about believers. It's talking about we can get our eyes on the world and the world news to the point that our love life stops. That unconditional love stops. That's a dangerous place because we've been given the, the mercy and grace of God. How many would agree with me? If it wasn't for the mercy of God, where would we be? So we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to keep our focus on Him. 
Sometimes you can't watch all the news. That constant negative news on CNN will get to you. Get your eyes on Jesus. Because the world's not our hope. The world's not our answer. We're of a different kingdom. We have constantly good news when you look in the Word of God. The Gospel is good news. Say good news. Don't you get tired of the bad news? Good news. And we have to keep our focus and our eyes on Jesus or our love will grow cold. We'll say, you'll start even doubting God and say, how can you allow this? Or what's, all these things can go inside of you. But we know that our God's a good God. It says, every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. There is no variation or turning. There is no change in Him. He's good and always good. He could have been a bad God. Of course, bad means good, so it depends on what interpretation you have. He's the baddest God and the goodest God. Okay. But our hope is not in the world. We know the end of this thing, and the end of this thing is we win. God has DVR'd history. If you want to see, just go to the end and you see that we come out on top. We're victorious in Christ. We have good news. You're on the winning side. No matter what the world gets into or how bad it gets, our Father has the answer. And we're in His hands. So we don't have to be fearful. The Bible also says in the last day that men's hearts will grow fearful and melt. But we're not to be afraid because our Father has us. We're safely in His hands, the best place to be. You know, Dwight Moody, who was a, a great American evangelist, how many have heard of Dwight Moody? And we see many of his followers today. How many have ever met a, a moody Christian? I'll give a guy a break up here. My. I liked it. Okay. I'm the only one. Okay. Okay. But Dwight Moody would travel... He had this good friend of his he'd travel with. They'd do meetings together, and it stopped suddenly. And they asked Dwight Moody, why did you stop traveling with your friend? And he said, because we have different beliefs. And he went on to explain. He said, my friend believes that the world and the church is in one ship. And this ship, when it lands, all will be saved. He said, I don't believe that. In fact... We cannot even, we're, our friendship has been broke because I can't fellowship with that. And he said, what I believe is that there's two ships. The world ship, and it's a sinking ship headed for destruction. And then there is the church ship or those that accepted the Lord. And he said, if you're on the church ship, the destruction is imminent. You're coming. You're headed towards it. And we are to take those from the world ship and get them with the Lord and the Lord's family. That's our mission. And he said that's what he believes and that's what 
the gospel really tells us. Because it says, go ye into all the world and preach this gospel. All that believe will be saved. All those that don't believe will be damned. We need to be those that rescue others. But I want you to know you can trust Father in the la- these last days. You don't have to be fearful. You can trust Him. And I want you to know your prayer life, your prayers are effective and they're mighty. Why? Because you put the name of Jesus to it. When you put the name of Jesus to it, it's the authority and the power of God backing up that prayer. And that name is far above every name to his name. It's not even close. It's far above. You got the name of Jesus. You've been authorized to use his name. But we are those that are called out to rescue those. You think about the world, I say it's heading for destruction because that's what the Word says. Is the world getting better? You have to think, no, it's not. Are, are the morals in, getting better or declining? Is the, the language in movies better or declining? You know, who could uh, imagine years ago that the F word would just be commonplace. In movies, ask somebody, well, how was it? Oh, it wasn't too bad a movie, you know, enjoyed it. Well, how was the language? Oh, you know, it's just 45 F words, but it's okay, you know, we enjoyed it. It's nothing. Nothing you don't hear anywhere. What? (laughs) What about. Our government, you know, our government decided God was wrong about marriage, that, uh, you know, it needs to be a revision that it can be same-sex marriage. You know, God was wrong. That's what they're saying. God was wrong. God was wrong? Really? All you got to do is look at the natural and say, that's not going to work. There are going to be no babies. Population going to stop. Now, do we love those in a homosexual lifestyle? Absolutely. Want them at church? Love them. Somebody told me one time, said, well, do you really think that we should have a homosexual come to church? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Well, Pastor, I, and this is years ago, nobody in this family would think that way, but he goes, well, I'm not so sure about that. If we should have someone come to church that's in sin, has sin in their life. <laughs> so let me help you, dear one. Let me help you. Do you realize we'd clear the whole church out and I'd be gone? It'd be nobody there. <laughs> Ooh, okay. We don't need that kind of thinking. <laughs> We're all in process. Anybody here not in process? Lift your hand if you're not in process. Okay. Pride's a sin also. <laughs> and you're a liar, and that's a sin. <laughs> and you know you lied. That's a Okay. Moving on. Church, the churchship. What does church mean? What does it mean? It means called out. Called out once. Called out. To call out. 
And that, it has two different meanings. It, it talks about the universal church. When you are taken from the enemy's family or Satan's family, and you're placed into the family of God. You're part of the body of Christ in the earth. That's the universal church. And there's a local church where you're taken out of the world system and you're placed into God's system, and that's the church. So we, we are in the same boat together. That's the reason we encourage each other. We love each other. You need to be planted in a church. Get involved. Why? Because God said, so much more as that time approaches of the end, so much more you need to be planted in the church and be involved. I can understand that. What about you? Who controls the church? Matthew 16, 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus is the builder and owner of the church. He's building his church. He controls his church. He's got his church. The church will prevail and go through and go over and be strong. Why? Because... Jesus is the owner and the builder. How many know he's a good builder? How many trust him to build? Well, if he's building it, I believe he'll hold. I believe that ship won't leak. I believe he'll get to where it's supposed to go to. He's a good one to, to build the ship. The world is headed to destruction. But we're part of the church which is indestructible. That's good news there. What you're part of is indestructible. You can't lose because you're hooked up to Jesus, the winner. The world, what does world mean? And it's word cosmos, and it means the world system, it means the order of things. Actually, it means also the arrangement of things. That's where we get the word cosmetics. The arrange, it means the arrangement of the face. <laughs> Pastor, I don't need to arrange my face. Well, and you get up in the morning, just go look in the mirror. You tell me if you need to. <laughs> I need to arrange mine. For sure. Who is that? <laughs> 95% of the time in the Bible it's talking about world system or the arrangement of things. The other 5% is talking about the people of the world. When we see in John 3.16 that God so loved the world, he didn't love the world system or the arrangement of this world. He loves the people of this world. He's in love with the people of this world. He died for the people of this world. But the world system, the structure of it, will not be redeemed because it is in the control. It's being built by another builder. And it will not be saved. But the people of this world can be saved, can be redeemed, can be taken out of that of the world. Who controls the world? 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Satan controls the world system. 
Don't expect the morals to improve. This whole thing, he's been building it, and it's coming in for destruction. I heard people praying for the morals to improve. Forget it. It's not the right prayer. We're going to look at how we're to pray for the world. The world system is against God. It promises what only God can give. You remember we talked about that before in the past. The world system says, I give you peace. I give you comfort. I give you joy. But it cannot give you. Only God can give you those things. So it makes promises that it cannot fulfill. That's the world system. The world system will justify sin. Worldliness is compromising for a believer because you justify sin. And worldliness can be in the believer or the unbeliever. Our job is to spread the gospel. We're not going to take care of the world. Jesus is when he gets back. Amen? So what's our job? Our job is to reach them, to spread the good news. Like Satan, the world will always hate the church. It's always going to be against the church. The world system is under Satan's control. It cannot be redeemed. You cannot just pray for the world. I pray for the world to change and everyone to love each other. It's useless. It's disuseless. It's like praying for the devil to be saved. Oh, Father, convict the devil. Convict him of his sin. (laughs) Can't say it straight back. Convict him of his sin. Cause him to repent and be born again. Useless prayer. I've read the end of the book. He doesn't get saved. (laughs) But see, there's almost a teaching going around. The whole world's going to get saved. It's not. And we need to know this. We need to have this truth. Our mission to the world is the Great Commission. Satan and the church... They're existing at the same time. The world and Satan is sowing bad seeds. The church and the Lord through us is sowing good seeds. And we're to be an influence for God. To point people to Jesus. To help people. Show the good works and show through those that our Father lives. That's what the scriptures tell us. The church though is being built by those removed from the world. In John 17, 6, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They are yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. But I want you to notice, out of the world, out of the world. You've given me out of the world. They were pulled out of the world and put into a different family, a different system of thought, a different way. Acts 15, 14. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. See, here's what really happens. God removes us from the world, then prepares us and disciples us to go back into the world and rescue people. To rescue people and influence them for God's family. To show them the truth. Not to beat them down, but to love them. 
Not to compromise, but to speak truth in love. But the whole world will not be saved. We'll never save the whole world. Revelations 7, 9. How many will go to heaven? It says, and this is John saying, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. He looked and he could not number. There were so many people that were going to heaven, he couldn't count them. There's a lot of people going to heaven. How about you? Are you one of those? A whole lot going to heaven. But let me tell you the truth. There's a whole lot more going to hell. A whole lot more are not going to make it. And that's not, that should stir us up to represent God well, to represent our Father well, and to reach out to those around us. How many are going to hell? Well, Jesus talked about it, Matthew 7, 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Remember the old psalm? Highway to hell. And we were happy singing it when I was a kid. (laughs) We're on the highway. Some of you remember. Smiling, just joyful, singing it. We're going to hell. (laughs) We're going to have a party. What a lie. (laughs) What a lie. I mean, that's just, what a lie. Okay. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. Now, what he's saying in comparison to those going to heaven, there's a whole lot more going to hell. A whole lot more going to hell. So much so that Jesus said, if you find it. And he said that it's a difficult way. The reason that it's difficult is because it's a narrow way. It's just one way. And the broad way or the highway to hell... You don't have to do anything. There's no requirements. But the narrow way, there's a requirement. You have to give your life to Jesus. You have to give your life to God. So there is a requirement. So, so he said, it's difficult, it's just one way. You think about every, every social group, every group, and you know people doing good things or, or whatever. It's not the way. He is... The way, the truth, and the life. It's just one way. One way to the Father. That's through Jesus Christ. So how do we pray for those in the world? And Jesus taught us and told us in in John 17. And I'm going to go through this quickly and then I'm going to summarize it uh, at the end. It says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world but for those whom you've given me, for they are yours. Jesus didn't pray for the world. Did you catch that? 
I pray for those that you've given me. He was praying for the saved. Now if Jesus doesn't pray for the world, maybe we shouldn't be praying for the world. Maybe we need to pray for the saved to be awake and doing what they're supposed to do. Boy, it's quiet in this place. <laughs> you know, in scriptures, Jesus didn't pray about the moral issues of the day. Well, everything was perfect when Jesus was on earth. No, not even close when you study history. Not even close. But he knew if people would give their heart to God, the moral issues would change. Because it's people's hearts that God changes. And when you get a changed heart, everything changes in your life. Where you wanted to steal before, now you want to give. Where you wanted to curse before, now you want to bless. Jesus knew that the root was the heart of man. And when God captures your heart, everything changes. Nothing is the same. I'm, I'm reminded uh, of my sister. I reminded one day I went to her because I saw things in her life that were, it's kind of like Judge Judy. You know, you watch it and you say, well, I, I know what your problem is. You know, you're doing this. You're, you're breaking this principle of the word. You're doing everything wrong, you know. And I go to her. And I talk to her and try to, you know, say it in love. But what I said was wrong because I got in my car. I felt good in there, but when I got in my car, God started talking to me and said, what are you doing? She didn't even belong to me. She can't even do half of what she said. I call her back. Had to wait till I got home because there's no cell phones. Called her back. I said, I was wrong. She got saved about three years after that. See, it's when our heart, we're, we're reaching people, showing Jesus to them. If we're trying to clean the fish before he catches them, we're not doing no good. We're just, we're, we're hurting people. Verse 10, and all mine are yours and yours are mine and I'm glorified in them. He's glorified when people get saved. You know, it's, that's the place we say angels rejoice when somebody comes to the Lord. Heaven breaks out in celebration because someone's going to heaven, not hell. And heaven rejoices. Verse 11, Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, and they may be one as we are one. The Father keeps you. If Father keeps you, you're in good hands. What was that, the Allstate commercial? In the good hands, Allstate. Well, you're in the good hands, Father God. It says, He keeps you. If He keeps you, you're kept. That security is being in Father's hands. You're talking about peace. That's peace. That's supernatural peace. 
It says that we are in His hands. It says pray that we would be one. Unity in, in, in Christians. You know, there's something, uh, there's doctrinal things that many times we just need to lay down because we're securing Christ because they love Jesus and Jesus is their Lord and we're to be one. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you've given me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, which Judas, that scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these saints uh, speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. There can be destruction all around you, but you can have the joy of the Lord. You have a joy that is eternal. It's not something that's based on circumstances or situations. It's based on whom you belong to, whose family you are in, whose hands you are in, who loves you, who keeps you, who protects you, who heals you and has you for all eternity. That's where your joy comes from. And the world didn't give it to you and the world can't take it away. It's the joy deep inside that comes from knowing Father and knowing Jesus and having His Holy Spirit inside of you. It's a joy that cannot be stolen. And you know what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. You've been weak and no strength. You need to remember who you belong to. He's the strength of your life. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and, for the, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. He's praying here for the saved. He's praying for the saved. He said that they've been given the word. This word. Really what he's saying, he's praying that the saved be discipled and be students and learn the word of God. Because the word is a strength to you. The word is, is Jesus. The word is spirit and life. And he's saying, we need the word. We need to receive the word. Then he says, we're not, we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. How many can ever, you ever feel like you just don't fit? <laughs> That's because you're not of this world. You don't fit. But we're in it. And it says the world will hate you. But he says keep them in the world. Lord, I want to win somebody to Christ. Get me out of this job. It's a bunch of sinners around me. Say, keep them, keep them in the world. Get me out of here. Lord, get me out of here. It's uncomfortable. Jesus said, keep them. Just protect them from the evil one. Father will protect you. It could be someone, well, pastor, you just don't understand. These people are hopeless. They're way past the point of no return. That's what they said about Saul when he was killing all the Christians. I don't want to witness to that guy. I don't want to be close to that guy. But God reached down and touched Saul and turned him into Paul. If they're breathing, it's not too late. 
Verse 17, sanctify them by your word. What a prayer that Jesus prayed here. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified. How? By the truth. You're saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are sanctified or set apart by the Word of God. That's how you're sanctified. See, we need the Word. You need to each and every day be in the Word of God because it will set you apart. It will cause you to be strong in those places in, in this world that temptation and things would come against you. It will cause you to be strong. Sanctified by the word. And it says, as he was sent into the world, he sends us. He sends us into the world. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through your word. Then he prays not only for those that uh, are going out into the world, but he prays for those that receive what we're witnessing to them. He prays for them, or those that are getting saved. Matthew 24, 38. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. This is a, a picture of the world. They were eating and drinking and, and marrying. <laughs> Heard sermons about that. Whoa! These people were eating and drinking and marrying. That's not a sin. It's not a sin. How many are eating and drinking and you're married? The picture is, he's saying, the world is going to stop up their ears and ignore what's going on. They're hoping it just goes away and ignores it. That's what the picture is. But we're to be alert and know what the signs of the times are, and it should stir us to reach those people around us like never before, to pray for those around us like never before. It should stir us up. But we're not closing our ears. We know what's going on because the Lord shows us. Verse 21, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me I have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. Still, the best way to get a person saved is tell them they can live for all eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ, that you can be with him. It's still the message, the most powerful way to influence, win someone for the Lord. And then finally, verse 25, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. So here's the summary of Jesus' prayer in, in a nutshell. Uh, how do we pray for the people of the world? First, for sinners to respond to the gospel and for the blinders to be removed from their minds. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, whose mind... The God of this age where Satan has blinded. So we take authority. We use our authority in the name of Jesus. 
We command the blinders to be open. We can't force anyone to get saved. God can't force anyone to get saved. So we definitely can't. But we can remove the barriers by taking authority and we minister the gospel to them. Or you get them, get them here. Whatever it is, we influence them and point them to Christ. How do we pray for the church regarding the world? For the Christians to evangelize. First to reach out to those around us. Pray for more workers in the field. In Luke 10, 2, he said, this, this with his instructions, the harvest is great, the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask them to send more workers into the field. He's saying, Jesus is saying, there's, there's a shortage of people that will influence and touch lives around them. So pray for more workers, you know, to do that. Then pray for converts to attend church and become disciples. They need to get planted in and become a disciple. And I put down here as the government because I, I hear a lot of people complaining about government, but you need to be praying. Are you praying? Praying for, uh, how do we pray for a government? Well, first you pray for the leaders, it says. First Timothy 2.1, I exhort you, first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, giving thanks be made for all men. And the reason all men is covered here doesn't mean that you just pray for, I uh, pray for all men. You pray for those in your world. And when every Christian does it, all men are prayed for. But then it says, for kings, for those in authority. So you, you, you pray for those. And what do you pray? Verse 3, for this is good and set the one side of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to Knowledge of the truth. In the original, it means full knowledge of the truth. What do you pray? You pray for the leaders to get saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. That's what we pray. We pray for them just like we do for the lost of the world, those in our world, for salvation, from the come to know Him. Pastor, you just understand, I'm praying for revival in the world. It's not going to happen. No, it's a, a church. To be revived, you've got to be vibed once. <laughs> but we break the blinders and we pray for the laborers that come across people's paths. So what's our, our mission? Our mission is to reach and touch as many as we can for the Lord Jesus Christ. And to keep our eyes on Him, no matter what the news is, knowing that our Father that we can trust our future to Him. He loves us. He protects us. He keeps us. He keeps us from the evil one. He sanctifies us with His Word. And He empowers us to be fishers of men, reaching out to those in the world. He's a good Father. He's a good God. I want you to bow your heads. I want to ask you a question. No one looking around. I just want you to listen for just a moment. Everyone just being, being quiet and, and listening because this is an important moment. I need to ask you a question. If you were to die in leaving this church, I say you, you died what would make you think you would go to heaven? Why do you think you'd go to heaven? 
Now let me ask you, what was your answer? If you said, well, I'm a good person, let me tell you, there's no place in the Bible that says, but because you're a good person, you're going to heaven. Well, I love God. Let me tell you that the last thing, the, the, the man that flew the airplane into the World Trade Center said, I love God. It was the wrong God and the wrong way to express love. Well, Pastor, you got to know my, my last church. I counted the money. I helped the pastor. I was a leader in that church. There's no place that it says in the Bible because you joined the church, because you counted the money, because you helped the pastor, or you were a leader in a church that you're going to heaven. And someone needs to love you enough and respect you enough and value you enough to t ask you and tell you the truth. If that's what you think, you're not going to make it. The Bible is very clear. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he told us exactly how to be saved. He made it clear. He made it plain. And we can't be saved our way. Maybe you were raised in a Christian home and you think because your parents were Christians and said you're a Christian that you're saved. That's not what the Bible says. In John 3 it says you must be born again. What does born again mean? This is what it means in a nutshell. That you give your whole heart and your whole life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means. So I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand if that's you. Maybe you're running from God. You need to raise your hand. Maybe you realize you've never given your whole heart and your whole life to Him and you need to raise your hand. Or maybe you did in the past, but you never stayed with the Lord and you need to raise your hand. Well, Pastor, it might embarrass me if I raise my hand. It, it might, but I'd rather be a little embarrassed than to go to hell. He loves you. So I'm going to ask you right now, if that's you, to lift up your hand and say, I'm making the decision for Christ right now to give my whole heart and my whole life to Him. Thank you, Lord. Yes. See those hands. There's two hands. Anyone else? We're going to pray together. I'm going to ask you two that made this decision. I want you to come up at the end. We have prayer partners. I want you to share with them what you just did. Because that's the most important decision that you could ever make. Are you thankful for these two young men that made this decision? It says that all heaven rejoices. This is what I want you to do in just a moment with the prayer partners. I want you to come up. I want them to pray with you and lead you to the Lord. Because that's important. I want you to come and confess His Lordship before them. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your word today. Thank you for a life-changing transform transformation taking place in our lives.
we give you honor and we give you glory. In Jesus' name. There's one other person you wish you had raised your hand. There's still opportunity at the end here when the prayer partners come down. You come down and you say, I shall raise my hand and you come down. She you know who you are. There's also a young person here. You've been in rebellion against your parents. You've had some bad thoughts about your parents. And the Lord said, all you got to do is repent. But you need to start praying for your parents. And the Lord meant what he said to honor your, your mother and father. You might think they're old fogies. <laughs> you might think they're stupid. The Bible said you're to honor them. So you need to honor them and submit to them. Stop talking bad about them. Stop those thoughts. And pray for them. God will minister to them. But the Lord wants to know you to know that you're wrong. And he wants to redeem you. Change everything today. Whoever they is, you come forward also. Just be bold. You can do it. No one here judges you or anything. Come. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 890 1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.